So uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about these, uh, these different hurdles, and I don't know if you can pick up on a theme, but we are trying to communicate about connecting with each other. I want to read a verse out of Acts. It's Acts 2.4. It's at the beginning, not 2.4, 2.24, or 42. I think 42, right? 20, whatever. There's a verse in Acts that I've heard about. Luke is documenting the early church. And he said that like thousands of people are getting added to the church. Every time you looked around, all these people were, were piling into the church. And they grew in four ways. The church would gather together and study the apostles' doctrine. It's before we had the New Testament written down. And so you would have these apostles that were going around and teaching. So they got together and they studied the apostles' doctrine. And they got together to fellowship, just to hang out with each other. They got together to break bread. One of the ways that they would break bread with each other was actually take the Lord's Supper communion. And then they would get together and pray. And for generations now, we have pretty much boiled service, church service, down to, well, you come out, you pray, you do your worship thing, and then you have someone preach at you for, you know, 30 minutes to two hours. And then everybody goes home. But I want to point out the fact that half of the things that the church did was fellowship and eat together. So when we say, hey, we need to hang out, hey, you need to stick around after service, hey, go around and meet somebody, even if I'm, I'm introverted, I don't know if anybody else is in the room and as introverted as I am, it is uncomfortable to me to meet new people, it's uncomfortable for me to like talk to people, but these are not things that we are just tagging into the service just to fill time. We're not going to waste your time like that. This is half of the things that we do as a church is to make connections. Well, when we're trying to make connections, we have hurdles that get in our way. One of the hurdles is like as we start opening up to people, the light gets turned on to us and we start thinking, oh, if you walk into that closet, you're going to run away from my life screaming. So I got to make sure that I need to be nice to you. I need to make connections, but I need to have all my closets closed because if you see something nasty in it, you're never going to treat me the same way. But the truth is, like when we start opening up to people, our friends find amazing things in us that we forget the antiques that we've got in that closet. And when a friend walks in, they go, you have one of these? Oh, it's like, oh, that's just a piece of junk. It's not junk. Let's get it out into the light. Well, another hurdle that we get trapped up with is, you know what? I'm tired. Like, do you know how much effort it takes me to go to Walmart in the daytime. And like anytime I say, pastor, like, oh no. And I start thinking, what did I just do? What, what does my face look like? It's exhausting sometimes for us to even go to Walmart, much less get up on a Sunday morning. It's like one of the few days that I have off. Like I work all week. I'm tired. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. And have, hey, hey, how are you doing? How are you? How are you? You know, it takes a tremendous amount of effort to put into making connections with each other. And I promise you, it's worth it. Because at some point in time, we're going to turn around and the, the sun's going to set. And we're going to feel alone and we're going to feel separated and we're going to feel disconnected. And we wish that we would have made time for people in our life earlier. Well, today I want to kind of talk about what happens when we've trip up in one of those hurdles. Like, I would love for everybody after I'm speaking, not now, after I speak, uh, to look up fails at people doing hurdles. Whew. You hit a hurdle at the right speed and the right angle, 
you will be memorialized forever. I will make fun of you. When we trip up on a hurdle, we make a big crash and we land on the, like face down. And it's frustrating. When you try to make a connection with somebody and it doesn't work, every person in this room knows that pain. Uh, there's, a, there's a real cute girl that worked at Starbucks, and I think I've told this story before. She's cute, and I've got a motorcycle, and so anytime that I drive around a motorcycle helmet, which is the only reason why you have a motorcycle, by the way. Like, oh, do you have a motorcycle? Why, yes, I do. That's, that's the only reason. And so, like, I, I ran in there, and I have my motorcycle helmet. She's like, you haven't been here in a while. What happened to you? And the first thing out of my mouth was, I've been avoiding you. Why did my brain think that that was the funny, charming thing to, to come up with? But all of us feel that when you just hit a hurdle, like I'm trying to make a connection and I hit a hurdle. <sighs> I'm walking away from you now and I'm going to go dig a hole and live in it. So like we hit a hurdle sometimes when we get connected to each other, when we're trying to get connected and we don't make a connection. And I'm embarrassed and uh, if I could just fade back into the hedge and let, let everyone to like pass me by. Don't bring up the fact that I just said something dumb. Don't bring up the fact that I did that dumb thing. If everybody could just ignore me, that'd be great. But I want to tell you, the, the enemy's number one goal with you is to not get you trapped up in sin. He doesn't need to work on that. We've got sin down pat. We've got that. He doesn't need to work on us on that. The number one thing that the enemy tries to get you to do is feel like you don't fit in and you don't belong. Every one of us, it's the great secret of life that all of us are wanting to fit in. And sometimes we feel like we don't fit in, especially when it comes to the body. How many times have you heard people say, I just don't fit in anymore. I just don't have any friends. I'm not, I, don't, I don't really fit in with this friend group. I don't really fit in with this friend group. I wanna remind us, has anyone ever seen like Planet Earth, like you know, National Geographic? You know, you get your David Attenborough going on. It's like, a lonely wildebeest stalks the African plain. And they're nasty, you know, they've got mud everywhere and flies going on. I'm not necessarily comparing us to a herd of wildebeests, but there are more, there's more than one similarity between them and us. And you see, like, all of a sudden, movement in the brush. And there's a lion. And then the lion stalks its prey. And the lion hunks down behind the brush. And what that lion is trying to do is find that one dumb wildebeest. I think I'm going to go to this watering hole that no one's at. And all of a sudden, when you see that lone wildebeest walking out in the middle of nowhere, everybody's like, no, don't do it. It's like when you watch a scary movie and the person runs upstairs, bye, I hate it for you. You see this one wildebeest that the enemy has manipulated out by itself and all of a sudden they pounce because the enemy doesn't show up one-on-one. -on -one. The enemy is bringing a team of people against you. And if you don't have your team, you are easy pickings. And that's not, the, the herd has not left you. The herd is still there. You have left the herd. And everybody in this room can feel times that's like, I don't feel disconnected to the group. I don't feel connected to my herd. And what do you feel? You feel weak. And all of a sudden, depression starts taking you out. All your, the, like the thought process that's going on in your head will send you down dark and dreary roads. You sit there like, you know, it's noon and I've not gone outside and 
you know, I've not turned the lights on. And you notice yourself, the enemy gets you alone. And then he starts lying to you. And when you're alone, it's easy to believe the lie. But imagine the wildebeest, the dumb wildebeest, gets back in the herd. And all of a sudden, when the lioness shows up, all those bull wildebeests lock shoulders with each other and defend the weakest people in the, in the herd. Have you ever seen a wildebeest go after a lion and like hit it and the lion just like end over end flips out over the brush? It's horrible. I mean, it's very violent. And of course we don't promote violence, but it's really fun to watch. <laughs> it's like, way to go, you dumb, muddy wildebeest. You know, sick it to the lion. There are times that when the enemy gets us by ourselves, when we hit a hurdle with connection, when it's not really working, uh, I have the funniest thing. Have you ever like gone downhill on an old school bike? Not like the new bikes, like the ones that like the spokes were actually connected to the pedal and you get off your timing on your bicycle and you have to just stop and then start again or double dutch. Has anyone ever done this for an hour? <laughs> it's, it's not time. There is something about the timing of relationships. And when you get off your timing, it can feel like you are trying to hit me with ropes. It's like, no, I'm not. Just jump rope. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like you're swinging, like, did you ever get, like, get the jump rope, like, across the face? That's always awesome. And you play it off. I'm like, no, I'm, it didn't hit me. It's like, I can see this huge welt coming up on your face. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. There are times that, like, our connection timing gets off. And sometimes we just have to kind of pause. We have to get back up and we have to try it again. Otherwise, the enemy gets us alone, gets us by ourselves, picks us off. I have seen more than my fair share of solid believers that have foundations way deeper than mine get picked off left and right. Did they do anything wrong? No. Were they involved in some horrendous sin? Did they have like people hidden in the basement? No, they got by themselves and they felt disconnected. And then all of a sudden they got picked off. Well, when we get with the group, when we get back into stride, when we pick ourselves up from the, hitting the hurdle and failing, all of a sudden we can feel strength around us. Um, I've got a story and I, I think I've shared this story a couple of times. I want to confess to you guys, if the enemy is going to pick me off, this is the way that he's going to pick me off. This is what I struggle with the most. Like if the enemy shows up in my backyard, he shows up with, your friends don't really like you. They're just putting up with you. The church doesn't really like you. You're kind of annoying. That's, that's how the enemy shows up in my life. Sometimes the enemy shows up in other people's life in the form of heroin. I don't struggle with a heroin addiction. I struggle with thinking that my friends don't love me. And so I had a buddy, and he's just the coolest person ever. And like all of his friends look like supermodels, you know, and they're like, my family's not really wealthy, and theirs is. You ever be friends with the, like the cool people, and you just want to hit them with a car? It's like, it's like, you're nice, you look good, you have money, and all of your friends look like supermodels. Yay for you. So when I hang out with my friend, there is that little bit of like, I'm trying to jump in on the double dutch and sometimes I don't know how to get into the friend group and you 
like tell a story that's like, yeah, this is really funny. Please like me. And no one laughs at it. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. I thought that that was way funnier than you did. Or what's worse is when you tell a story and you're like hysterically laughing about it and <laughs> crickets in the room. It's like, well, I'm glad everybody went with me on that one. Or you like, or you try to be cool. It's like, all right, be like Fonzie. And how's Fonzie? Fonzie's cool. And just be cool. Justin, what? Sorry, what? I, like, I, was, I was working on being cool so hard, I, I completely disengaged with, with the group. So anytime that I hang out with this guy and his friends, they all lived in Nashville, and it's just like, please think that I'm cool. And I was coming back from a, a worship event, and so I called one of our mutual friends. I was like, hey, I'm in town. What are the cool kids doing? They're like, hey, we're over at so-and-so's house. Uh, she played uh, softball. We're watching a movie. Want to come over? Cool kids. Want to watch a movie with me? Yes. I would love to come over. So I turned around, well, not in the interstate, but I got off the interstate and turned around, showed up at uh, this person's house. I'm here. Oh man, I'm sorry. We just went over to Opryland to look at the Christmas lights. Cool. You could have called me. You could have told me that. So, all right, well, that's on the way. It's like, you should totally come hang out with this. I should, yeah, okay. So get back out on the interstate, go to Opryland, pull up in the parking lot. I'm here. You want to come hang out with me? Man, we just left. Cool. That's, that's good, man. That's, that's good. Well, we're going to go back to so-and-so's house and watch a movie. You want to come with us? Like, nope. <laughs> I will not be embarrassed again, thank you. No. So I sent our, our mutual friend a text before I got on the interstate. Probably. Hey, this is what happened. I'm not really doing well emotionally. Could you be praying for me? And like, dude called me. And I was like, oh, it's like, this is this shining ray of encouragement. He's going to be like, get back in there, buddy. It's going to be okay. That's not exactly what he said. Um, from Opryland to Cookville, he gave truth to me in, in an intensity in a way that I would prefer not to have truth given to me. Has anyone ever like shared like a hard truth with you? And it's like, well, it didn't have to come in that fast. You could have just like maybe put it on the plate and we discussed truth at a distance and not just like you are eating this truth. And the type of things that he was saying is like, Justin, how much do we have to tell you that we like you? Like, is it every day? Do we have to start off every 15 minutes with me telling you how amazing I think you are? How much is enough to satisfy? Have we done anything aside from, you know, an inconvenience of scheduling? Have we done anything to make you feel excluded? Or have we done everything to make you feel included? Um, maybe a good point. No, you are the only person in our friend circle that thinks that you don't belong there. And the funny thing is, like the guy that I was talking to, I'm doing his wedding, like in three weeks. Like he loves me. This whole friend circle loved me. Who is the only person that thought that I wasn't being loved? Me. It turns out that sometimes my own thoughts, I am my worst enemy. When it feels like I don't connect, 
all of a sudden I start hearing whispers in my head and I think I'm not, I'm not really fitting in. And then all of a sudden it's my friend's fault. It's my friend's fault that I'm not fitting in. If you loved me better, if you loved me more, I'd fit in a whole lot better. And the truth is sometimes, you know what? Schedules don't, just don't line up. You know, sometimes we don't fit in with each other. And it's not that anyone hates us. It's not that anyone like wanted to sit back there and like snidely whiplash, you know, twirling his mustache. Watch this. I'm going to make Justin show up at Opryland. <laughs> it's going to be so funny. No, like they loved me and I was the only person that was disconnected from that love. There is a story in 2 Kings. 2 Kings, 1 Kings, 1 Kings. I'm so good at this. Elijah has this amazing top of the mountain, literally moment with the Lord that he's like warring against these false prophets and he literally calls fire down out of literal heaven and this awesome thing. And then he celebrated the whole thing by genocide and killed a whole bunch of people. Normal Thursday for me. Um, And so after all of this mountaintop experience, the queen of the land looks at him and says, I'm going to kill you. And all of a sudden, the man of God, the prophet of the Lord, you don't like me, and runs like off in the desert, like forest, turns into a complete forest gump and just starts running down the desert. Gets so tired that he eventually passes out by a brook and God sends a crow to come bring him food. Like, imagine that Yelp review. If I could give zero stars, I would give zero stars to this raven. Poor service would not order again. Cool. Um, I'm glad all of you leave Yelp reviews. So eventually, this angel wakes Elijah up and goes, well, baby, keep on running. So he runs off into this cave, and he gets alone in this cave, and he goes, God, I'm so sad about the nation of Israel and they've killed everybody but me and I alone stand as a prophet of the Lord to you and you not had my back and God just goes baby darling I have 7,000 people just like you back in Israel His, Elijah's number one problem is that he thought that he was alone I alone stand as the prophet of the Lord and then God goes there are 7,000 people just like you. You are the only person that thinks that you're by yourself. There, you know, Mike Tyson has this like kind of famous quote. I don't know if he actually ever said it. But he said that everybody's got a plan to get punched in the mouth. And it's easy for us to come into church and like have this really cool idea of like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna worship the Lord until someone's kind of rude to you. Or... Like all of us show up at church and we've not eaten yet. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this or not, but we don't eat before we go to church. That's why we always try to like up people's blood sugar because like, hey, here, have a donut. Try not to yell at anybody. I know it's hard sometimes. There are times that like, I will feel righteously indignant about whatever situation. And then like Michelle will be like, maybe lunch. All right, you know what? I actually feel strongly about this and it's not just because my blood sugar is wrong. What makes you think that I'm so immature that I can't handle my own emotions and I get a little bit of food in me? And it's like, oh, well, I don't feel quite so strongly about that. But we all get together. Our blood sugar is probably the lowest it's gonna be today. And then you have one person that's like, well, I wish they were a little bit nicer to me. And then all of a sudden we start having all these thoughts. 
I alone stand as a prophet of the Lord to church on the hill and no one likes me. I don't fit in. I don't, like I tried to talk in Sunday school and no one said that I was really cool. And we all have this plan of connecting with the body of the Lord until we have a moment that cleans our clock. And all of a sudden we start this spiral of thoughts. All right. So what happens when you hit that hurdle and you fall you miss that connection. You don't feel connected. You come in here for Sunday school and you don't feel connected. You come to a business meeting and you don't feel loved. You don't feel connected. You come into service and you're just not in the right step. You're not in the right pace. It feels like you've hit a hurdle. <laughs> I'm not connected. What's the number one thing to do before you even think about getting back up? Next week, we're going to talk about getting back up. But what's the number one thing that you can do? The number one thing that you can do is get a hold of your thoughts. Because as your blood sugar is down and as someone says something that might not have been optimal friendliness, like friend scale, it wasn't at a 10, it was like at a two. They like didn't throw rocks at you, but it wasn't as sweet as you need to be talked to. The first thing that we can do is get a hold of my thoughts. Now imagine, go back. I'm sitting in Opryland Opry uh, parking lot hotel parking lot, not Opryland, because I couldn't drive when Opryland was there. Um, I'm sitting in the parking lot. If I could have grabbed a hold of my thoughts before I got depressed, I wouldn't have had to call and had a really awkward conversation with one of my friends. I think, in, in my opinion, this is my professional opinion, but I think that this one suggestion could have saved the church a tremendous amount of bloodshed. Like not just church on the hill, our entire history. When people didn't feel like they were a part of the group, they didn't feel like they belonged, they let their thought process spiral them out of control until all of a sudden they were completely separated from the herd. And if we can grab a hold of our thought life and stop us from thinking that everybody hates us, I used to have this wall in my house that every time someone asked me to be best man at a wedding or included in a wedding or sent me a birthday card, like not just here's a birthday card, but you know, wrote something on it. I used to staple it to my wall in my house because I struggle with thinking that my friends like me so much. I'm a whole lot better now than I used to be, but I used to have to stand in front of my wall and be like, well, they might not like me anymore, but at one point in time, they liked me enough to ask me to be their best man. And I used to have to have physical reminders to remind myself to not let my thoughts try to convince me of truth. Because it's not truth that my friends don't like me. The truth is my friends like me. They don't have to bow down to me and, and say, oh, Justin, we love you. We think that you're the most amazing person ever every 15 seconds. But my friends love me. And I used to have to take physical things and look at it and do battle with my own thought life. Has anyone ever had to like do battle with your thoughts? All right, I want to uh, point us to, um, there's a verse in, in Timothy, 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy. <laughs> Batting 100. Um, that Paul is talking to Timothy and it's like, hey, when all the elders laid their hands on you, they spoke words of prophecy over, the, over you. Remember the prophetic words that got spoken over you because you're going to have to use those words to do battle. 
Because situations and circumstances in the world, in your marriage, in the church are going to try to convince you that you don't fit in, that you don't belong. And you're going to have to remember times in your life that your church body loves you. I don't care what you feel right now. We love you. We love you. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Listen to me right now. We love you. Do battle with the things that the enemy tells you because you know that this is true. I used to have to stand in front of that wall and stare at that wall and go, my friends love me. And eventually my thought processes start, start turning around. Um, uh, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians. Maybe. Oh, yeah. We have to take our thoughts captive. Our thoughts are not the source of truth in our life. Our thoughts are sometimes the greatest source of deception that we have. And so Paul is telling the Corinthians, all those things that are rattling around in your head, take them captive. Imagine that there has been a jailbreak at the local prison and all these thoughts are running rampant through your head. You have got to take authority and make those thoughts submit to what you know is true. All right? Okay, so the first thing you can do is you can take a hold of your thoughts. What's the second thing that you can do? You can open up your mouth and communicate how you feel. Hey, I feel disconnected. And at some point in time, you have to trust your friends. Like my friend that called me, I could have argued with him. I could have set up this huge case and be like, uh-uh, my friends don't like me. And here's all the reasons. Because I had a list of reasons. I had physical reasons of like, did you get abandoned twice in a row in the same night? I had reasons, I had excuses to tell my friend that my friends didn't like me. But instead, I had to trust his words into my life. Buddy, you're being a crazy person right now. Really? Yeah. So there are times that you have to come in here and you say, hey, I don't feel like I connect to the church anymore. Well, great. Well, let's walk through that. Deal with it in community. And it's hard. It takes a lot of effort to say, hey, I don't feel like I'm fitting in. But I promise you, if you just assume things about each other, you will get yourself into a nightmare of hurt. When you assume what is rattling around in your spouse's head, dark days are ahead of you. When you assume what is rattling around in your friend's head, when you assume what other people on the other side of the room think of you, we will send ourselves into dark places. How about you just say, hey, I feel like I'm not connecting. What's your thought on that? I don't feel like you're not connecting. Okay. I want to argue with you, but at some point in time, I have to just trust. You know what you're talking about. And I use that thing that that person said as fuel for my fire and to try to use what they say to control my own thoughts. It's like a, a feedback loop. And all of it's while you're still on the ground. All of it's while you still feel like you're not connecting. And my last point is how many times as we go through scripture, as we go through the gospels, how many times did Jesus walk up to a blind person and go, what do you want? Well, Lord, I don't know if you can see this, but they're blind. Hush. What do you want me to do? Uh, Lord, I'm blind and uh, I would prefer to not be blind. Got it. What do you want me to do? Well, there's nobody to throw me into a pool. What do you want me to do? Well, Lord, I'd love to walk. Got it. Is Jesus going on like this detective mission to try to figure out what was wrong with the blind guy? No, Jesus knew exactly what was going wrong with the blind, blind guy, not blind guy. He knew what was going wrong with the blind guy too. 
that he's trying to train the people in his life, I need you to communicate your needs to the people around you. Spouses, it is not your job to read your spouse's mind. It is your job to communicate what's going on in your mind. Church family, I promise you, as awesome as you think I am, I can't read anybody's mind. Can't read your mind. And if you are dealing with something, please communicate that. I can't tell you, if I can just get real with you, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to find out that one of my family members has been on the ropes for the last seven months. And it's like, are you okay? I'm fine. Are you okay? I'm fine. Are you okay? I'm fine. Are you okay? I'm not. I hate you and I hate everything about you. What made you think that our relationship wasn't deep enough that you couldn't communicate that to me? I don't know. The people on the other side of the room will not be able to read your mind. That's why encouragement is so important. I can't assume that you think that I'm amazing. The people on the other side of the room can't assume that you, that you think that they love you, that they love you. Um, the people on the other side of the room can't assume that you love them. There you go. You have to tell them that. We're not mind readers. So when you get hit, when you get trapped up, when the enemy tries to make you feel like you're alone, that you're isolated, that you're not connecting, I want you to try to get a hold of your thoughts. And before you let your thoughts spiral you out of control, open up your mouth and communicate to the person that's sitting next to you. Hey, I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I'm connecting. Because I promise if we get this down, all of, the, all of the other things that happen in the book of Acts, all of the miracles, so the, the Acts 2.25 is all these miracles that the apostles were doing left, right, and center because the church was cohesive. It was a part of the same family. I honestly think that we don't see the miracles that they used to see in the book of Acts because we're fractured and we're not unified. And like we have moments of time that we're nice to each other, but we're not family. And as we start melting and blending together, all of a sudden power kicks in, amen? Well, go ahead and stand up. Let me pray for you. Father, we ask that you would send us friends to stop us when, we, when we're having a, a thought spiral that's uh, getting us out of control. When I am being tempted to walk away from the herd, Lord, I pray that you would put somebody in my path to stop me so that I can not be easy pickings for the enemy. God, help us with unity. Help us with cohesion. God, give us eyes to see the people that are wandering out by themselves so that we can bring the strength of the herd around them, Lord. I pray that you would give me humility, that I would have the ability to say that when I'm not 100%, when I'm not okay. Father, thank you for an amazing family that you have placed me in that I know are not gonna judge me that they're not gonna throw rocks at me if I say that I'm struggling in an area. God, thank you for this amazing family. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in us this week that we could increase our family to the people that, that we're connected to, our, our friends, our loved ones, that we can bring people back in the fold that have walked out. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name, amen.